Hi, this is Katrina. And this is Christina. And welcome to Kingdom Kinesis. We are a movement, and our goal is to inspire women to move beyond their potential and shift into active pursuit of kingdom assignments by connecting them with resources and information to help them do so. Our name, Kingdom Kinesis, translates to Kingdom Movement. Potential energy is stored, and kinetic energy is energy that's in motion, hence the name Kingdom Kinesis. You can also join us live on our Facebook page, Sundays, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, please enjoy the show. Life, guys. Awesome. Hi, everybody. Hello out there. Hello. So, yeah, no one's in yet, but we can go ahead and get started. Um, actually, I am going to um, also share this on my personal as well. Awesome. Okay. All righty, we're good. So, Katrina, you can start. Awesome. So, greetings and welcome to Kingdom Kinesis, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our first podcast, A Sound Mind Managing Mental Health During Crisis. Um, my name is Katrina Bruce, co-founder of Kingdom Kinesis, and our goal is to inspire women to move beyond their potential and shift into active pursuit of kingdom assignments be it starting a business, pursuing a particular career, whatever God has assigned you to do, now is the time to shift into moving to doing so. And so our name Kingdom Kinesis translates into kingdom movement. As you know, potential energy is energy that's stored. And I've always been a little low key offended when people would say you have potential energy because I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? Am I making affirmative steps and moving forward in life? And so I like to um, describe myself as kinetic and I want to promote other people being kinetic as well. So Kingdom Kinesis translates into Kingdom Movement. And so uh, just to keep you guys up to date with regards to our podcast, we will be going live on Sundays at 3 p.m. from 3 to 3.30. And then on Wednesday nights from 8 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Saving Times um, for both of those. And we have an amazing lineup this month. Uh, we have women from diverse professions and with diverse experiences um, that'll be joining us for our podcast. And we actually look forward to you joining us as we connect you to these women. Christina? Hey, everyone. This is Christina, and I am co-founder of Kingdom Kinesis. And uh, we have the pleasure of Malisha joining us today, a mental health expert in her field. Um, we had uh, another one scheduled for today and she was unable to make it. So um, she sends her deepest apologies, but um, we have Malisha here and I cannot wait <laughs> um, to ask her these questions. She's gonna give us some phenomenal information and I'm just really very excited for you to be here to Malisha. So um, just tell us a little bit more about you and your experiences, your background, it, the floor is yours. 
Sure. Good evening. My name is Malisha. I am by trade a licensed Ohio independent social worker. Um, I'm not only independent, um, I also have the supervision distinction to allow other people to get the supervision so they can get their independent license. And I was recently um, a certified case manager. So my background has been in healthcare, primarily healthcare, and with healthcare come mental illness and health. So I have over 20 years experience in healthcare and mental health. And thank you Great. for the invite. That's Great. Great. Thank you. So um, we know that, and I talk with my hands, so just bear with me here. Uh, we know mental health right now is a very real issue. We are dealing with this novel coronavirus and uh, people are um, potentially just losing their minds. We're quarantined, we can't go anywhere. We're worried about our elderly, we're worried about our kids, we're worried about our jobs. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we're worried about. So Malisha, the first question for you is, um, tell us some practical tips for managing our mental health during a crisis like this. Sure. So I want to acknowledge that we are on untrattered waters. This is not normal. We haven't experienced anything as a country like this as in many, many years. So to say we have a textbook or a roadmap of how to handle this, no, no one is. I think we literally take this one day at a time as a nation. That being said, it's very important that you take care of yourself right now. Uh, what you have to do is really take the time to understand what you have control over and what you don't have control. Mm -hmm. What we seem to emphasize on TV and the media right now is what we don't have control over. What we don't have control over is the ability to go out our homes, to continue our routines, to do the fun things that we normally enjoy doing. But what we do have control over is taking care of our own body, mind, and soul. So what does that look like on a daily basis? One, you have a new routine. Some of us are now working from home. Uh, we're working at home with distractions. So this is all new. So as a family, actually coming together and setting up schedule and routine of what to work day. And I don't think a lot of people have taken the time to actually do that. Just like you go on your job and you have an orientation and they tell you when to take your break. I can take your lunch. You have to come up with a new routine as well as home. Um, also, take a break between work and uh, and fun. It has to be a cutoff. You can't continue that into the evening. You can't continue that into the night and the weekend. So what do you want to do to unwind? A lot of us unwind going to restaurants and outside of our house. Unfortunately, that's not happening right now. So what are some other things you can do to unwind? <laughs> I mean, that's reality. reality. Reality, you can't control that. So what can you control in your home? You can exercise, you can read, you can watch television, you can take up a new hobby, take up a new skill. What can you do or connect with people um, by video and by phone? What can you do to support each other? One, um, I think the laugh. I think our country, we're liking laughter now. It's so scary, we're just not laughing anymore. Turn on the old comic view shows, um, laugh at each other. I don't know, we've been playing Monopoly in our house. We got out the old board games. That's our Saturday routine now. Who's gonna win the Monopoly? So I guess reality is that you have to put laughter. Laughter is healing. And I would say also just being thankful. Um, sometimes you have to actually write that list, put it by your bedside and write, what are you thankful for? And it might be very simple as, that cookie I just ate 10 minutes ago, whatever, that's not my business, but some people like me are very thankful for that cookie or whatever you think for. So I just 
say, actually, it's okay, but it leads to laughter and laughter is healing. So it sounds silly, but you have to laugh at the situation until we get to the other side and realize we've made it over. That's that's a really good. Uh, that's really good. Now, I know we talked early, which is so ironic that we're talking about this now. And one of the things that you told me that really hit home because I suffer from anxiety as well is write down a plan. And I promise yes. you, I went there, all the stuff that I'm anxious about, I talked to my husband about it today and said, okay, well, I'm anxious about this happening. So let's write a plan down. If something happens to you, what's going to happen? If something happens to me, what's going to happen? If you lose your job, what's going to happen? And so our, immediately I felt a relief um, as far as I can just, that's what I can control. That's part of that whole control. You know, I mm -hmm. have a plan, we have a plan A, we plan B. And so if this happens, you know, there's some contingencies in there we can write out. And so, you know, kind of talk to them about, you know, just making sure they understand, you know, you know, the things that you can control, like planning and how they can use that. Sure. So I think reality is that everybody has anxiety. It's all about how we manage it and cope, it, cope mm -hmm. with it. So we have healthy coping skills and we have non-healthy. Non-healthy, of course, is, is alcohol, substance abuse, and violence. That's non-coping. Um, healthy coping is talking to your support system, um, journaling, um, ministry, whatever, or, or even therapy. So you have to figure out healthy coping skills. So in situations like this, when you feel like you've lost total control. What do you have control over? And also coming up with a plan of how to tackle that. So reality is sitting down with your family as a unit. One, you're being a role model for your kids. So you have to reassure them that everything's fine. And if they see you and your anxiety at 100%, of course, they're going to have anxiety and chaos at 100%. So once again, as a family unit, you kind of need to sit at the table and say, okay, let's come with a plan. Just like people practice tornado drills and practice fire drills, what is our plan of survival through this moment? If we didn't have groceries, what is the local food bank or who can we call? If we were to get evicted, what are some of our options as far as housing or temporary shelter? Um, as far as if we lost our job, do we have an emergency fund? If we don't, what can we sell for immediate cash to get us over this hump? So reality is that coming up with a plan A and then sometimes a plan B, it just takes the worry and the anxiety away where you're not rehearsing it by yourself over and over again. You're actually coming up with a tentative plan of how to tackle these things so these things don't catch you off guard. That just gives you a sense of more control over things and not feeling like you're at the mercy of someone else. And I'm telling you, this this works. So go ahead. <laughs> I concur. It worked for me today. <laughs> I want to um, address something you said because I think it's, it's, it's so crucial. And you said, sit down and plan. And that works for me because I love a good plan. But what about those people who experience a lot of trepidation and anxiety around just sitting down to plan? So for them, this whole, this whole notion of sitting down and dealing with, with reality is very difficult for them. So how can they approach that, you know, and get themselves to the table or wherever, in front of the laptop, whatever, so that they can actually begin to deal with reality and plan? How can we get to that point? Sure. In my household, we call it a check with person. Everybody need a check with person. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be a stranger. It could be a neighbor. Someone who you trust enough to sit down and say, you're my check in with person. And so sometimes, unfortunately, that's just not our family. 
that we all have group think and they're thinking like we're thinking or sometimes it's just not your friends but sometimes it is that older person that you know from the church or that younger person that you can connect with who can you sit down with your check with person to feel comfortable and say hey this is what i'm feeling i want you to hold me accountable to have this done by a certain time frame so it's just accountability partner partner that's why weight watchers and things like that work so well you have you have to check in and if people didn't have to check in and weigh in Trust me, they'll be eating what they want to eat, but that's your check with person <laughs> to be accountable. They're going to be eating that cookie. <laughs> uh-huh, that I'm thankful for. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all. At all. Um, Chris, did you have? No, that's it. That's it for um, <laughs> actually, the next one. Okay, so uh, this is such great information and content, Malisha. Thank it you is. so much. I mean, it's just so much information and, and great practical information that we can use. And um, you said something about having the accountability partner, right? And so how do yes. people overcome the shame uh, in asking for help and accountability, especially women from particular subgroups or subcultures where they might be uh, seen or held to the standard of being uh, very masculine and holding it together and just unable to break in and asking for help would make them look weak versus just human. Um, how how can women deal with that or approach sure. that? So I, I I think that's a great thing because I think um, it's our journey as African American women. We have had to be strong. We have had to carry the weight on our back. We have had to figure out things. Um, this goes back to slavery. We have to really take a time as a community to understand how we're, where, why we're at, where we're at in 2020 with mental health. This was back in slavery. This was when we had to take care of our families, and our husband who's getting beat and lynched and the family being separated. So as the years grown on, our church became our support system. That's great. Let's pray. I'm all about faith. I'm all about prayer. But reality is that we didn't have access to professionals. We didn't have access to healthcare. We didn't trust healthcare with Tuskegee experiment and things of that sort. So the whole notion of mental health is a stigma. Something's wrong with you because you need professional help. Is reality is that in 2020, we finally at the point that that professional that we're going to look like us. They now have a degree. You don't have to keep going to the first lady in the church and the elder in the church. And actually, they're starting to have the degrees. If you be honest, uh, first ladies and the elders now have that's counseling true. degrees. They get they. So we're still stuck that that's our only support because back then that really was our only support. Now that's it's true. just a different. It's a different level. We have African Americans. We have minorities in every profession out there they're out there so reality is that we're we don't have all day to be in the church to get the counseling because we're working it's a different time we're working we are the professionals so because you are the doctor and you saving people all day don't mean that in the evening you don't have to process how you save them and how that's stressing you out and now you're worried about your own family that's reality and so now we have those resources and we allow to take advantage of them so i think that, i guess the point is is that it's so much of saying, I'm going to say a psychiatrist or a psychologist, that's a stigma. But I, if somebody said, hey, I'm going to call my friend, there's no stigma. They're doing the same job. They're doing the exact same role, but you calling your girl and it's the same thing. So why not get somebody who has a degree behind their name to get you to the next level instead of your girl? I mean, the only thing different is that maybe the professional can't 
bust his windows out with you, but it's still the same <laughs> thing, you know. No, We're here to support each other. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a it's a concern. It's a um it's a culture competency <laughs> thing. I think a lot of people are worried that therapists and and support systems can understand the true African American struggle. And sometimes that's real. I'm not going to say that's not. But there's plenty of professionals out there to get it. And you right. have to find someone you can connect with. I always say healthcare psychology is like a mechanic. You're not going to keep taking your car to that mechanic who can't fix it, right? You're going to go up to another one. Same thing with therapy. If you're not connecting with that therapist, keep going through the telephone book till you find one. Right, right. That's good. So we as women have to give our, ourselves permission, especially if we come from groups where mental health uh, therapy or health uh, counseling is stigmatized. We have to give ourselves permission to let go of the past and yes. in terms of, of um, just understanding that now we have resources that are available to, to us and that we can mm -hmm. should use them because they're there, there to help us advance as individuals. And, and it's OK. It's OK to get the help. We right. earned it. We earned it. And instead of looking like it's a cop out, you we are at a point in society that we are now at the table. We we deserve it just as much as any other culture. And that's how I look at it. We really I really seriously doubt if President Obama and Michelle are uh, like, oh, let me go and talk to the elder. No, they they're busy. So they're like, <laughs> if I need professional counseling, I'm going to get that professional. I, I'm just saying, let's like, come on. We're, 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 we have arrived. So let's right. act like we, as a group of individuals, we've arrived and we allowed right. to get this service. Right. I, I can recall personally, there was a situation I'd encountered, I think it was maybe 14 years ago. And I said, I have insurance. I'm going to look up a, a mental health profession. I'm going to go see a therapist. And I had such an amazing time on that couch. Okay. Just <laughs> someone who was a neutral third party who um, yep. gave me clear feedback, helped me to identify some behaviors and things that I could improve upon. And so it was a great experience. And, you know, once I felt I was at a place where I was much better and healthier in terms of um, some of the issues I'd been dealing with, we parted ways. And But I am to this day and grateful for having had that experience. Yes. And that's another thing I do want to say. I'm sorry to cut you off, Christina, but I just want to say with mental health, it's not like you're in that state of crisis continues. A lot of people are not always you go in and out of it. So when you need it, it's there. When you feel like you've met your goals and you feel like things are stabilizing your life, let it go. So just taking that in consideration, because people act like, oh, once I say I'm crazy, I'm crazy. It is nothing about crisis. How do I manage this crisis in front of me? How, I'm at a point that I'm not doing well processing. Help me to over get on the other side. And when I'm on the other side, I go back to managing myself when I have the tools. I love it. That's exactly what it is. That's good. When I think about mental health, uh, you know, it's a, our brain is a muscle. And so this is kind of the analogy that I give. It's a muscle. So if you want to get muscular arms, you go to the gym. If you want to get muscular, you know, legs, maybe you go and ride your bike. And if you want your brain to be healthy, then you have to go to that person, that place that will give you, you know, help your brain to be better. And so when you think of it that way, it's like, oh, well, I guess that kind of makes sense. I mean, what else are you going to do with your brain? You know, you have to exercise it just like everything else. Right. <laughs> right. That's good, Chris. That's really you good. You have to exercise it just like everything else. So, you know, uh, Melissa, you talked a little bit about professionals and even professionals need the help. What can you talk to us about and tell us about now those people that are fighting with us on the front lines, the the 
you know, Ooh. mental health counselors who's talking to other, you right. know, people now, the the doctors who are in there fighting this disease, the the firefighters, all of those that are on the front line, you know, how what you know, how can they cope and their families, you know, because you know they're they are again they're the professionals and they see this, they're seeing this every hour, every day, you know, what can they do? you know, for them and their families to kind of just walk away and just put it down for a minute and, and clear their mental health? <laughs> right. That's a great question. And um, unfortunately, it's not an easy answer. Reality is I, that I look at it, they're at war. There's no different than going yeah. overseas. They're at war. They're and at war. so when people are at war, they're just um, coping because that's what they're trained to do. They're, they're going back in their training skills. They're processing a little bit, but they're really just training, using those skills of if this crisis comes up, what do I do? I save this person. I get them a ventilator. I get them out. So they're in crisis mode. What I can say is that I do have some girlfriends that are doctors and nurse practitioners, and they are struggling. They know the reality of what's going on. They, they're, they're, they're sad. They're they're scared. They're, you know, this is a, it is truly a condition that um, a lot of people feel helpless. Um, they don't know how to really put, uh, protect. It is like they said, the invisible monster. What should, what can you do, but try to do your best. Um, I think also the frustration in healthcare is um, just getting African-Americans to understand that it's in our community too. It, that denial stage is really there. It's, it's, oh, we're good. We're fine. No, it's hitting us too. And so now in the media, you're actually seeing where it's hitting the Louisiana and Detroit region of African Americans harder than other areas. So it is real. It is it's frustrating. I think honestly, in my profession where I am and I'm talking to my management and my leadership and my job, we are basically planning for the future. There's going to be some PTSD. Yes. There are going oh. to be some people who change careers. There's yes. going to be some people wow. who are going to need aftermath counseling from this. Wow. So that's the truth of it. Um, but in my eyes, they're they're heroes. They're heroes just like someone go to war. They're heroes. So in the meantime, there are some professionals that are sleeping at hotels because they don't want to take it back to their family. They're they're um they're making some tough decisions. I, I I live next door to a firefighter. He's in and out with his, you know, with his kids. It is tough right now, but I think they're trained just like service soldiers to handle it. It's us being as a community to support them when this is all over, just like the veterans, in my opinion. That's good. I didn't, I didn't even think about the aftermath of this, of those people in the front line going, you know what, this is my last surgery. I'm good. I'm going to go and basket weave. <laughs> I mean, and then some of them may not. I mean, but they're losing co-workers too. So this is this is tough. This is tough. This is like I said, this is a territory we just haven't been in and we don't we just not know sure what we're doing per se to deal with it. So I wanted to ask you about um those of us who are women who are caregiving, so they have individuals that um you know are in the home with them, be it parents or um, individual, you know, mm -hmm. families that are disabled, uh, young children that are afraid themselves. So how can we approach this conversation with them, especially with our youth who, you know, may have been um, on the verge of graduating and are unable to attend graduations this year or are not attending prom, et cetera. How can we have this conversation with those uh, populations? Okay, I think that's a good question as well. What I found is that I have two teenagers. Um, 
kids are resilient. They they do way better um, than us. Some of it is they don't completely understand the risk that they are at and what's going on. So they are a little bit more resilient. They're disappointed. There's a difference between scared and disappointed. They're disappointed because prom is how you end that senior year. Graduation is how you end that. But they're not, but they're resilient. So kids themselves, I'm not too much worried about. What I'm most concerned about is um, dealing with the elderly population, especially in the African-American community, because we're taught to respect them. And so if they don't want to sit in the house, how do we make them sit in the house? And if they don't want to take their medicine, how do we make them take their medicine? So because they tell you what to do, you don't tell them what to do, but they don't, but they don't quite understand the risks and dangers that are going on. So only thing I can suggest is that as much as possible, be helpful. Um, I know in my subdivision, I have a couple of elderly couples, not a lot. And it's, hey, are you OK? I'm, I'm, I'm talking to them as I take my walk across the street. Do you need anything? Just let them know you are there because they really, really are at risk trying to go in and out of the home to do their basic things like grocery shopping and things of that sort. Um, I have a lot of my patients who are telling me they're mad because their knee surgery is canceled. They don't get it. <laughs> We're saving lives right now. But they're like, I want my knee surgery. I want my mammogram. I, I get it. Yeah, but OK, OK, we will get back to that. But right now it is full crisis mode, just trying to save lives. So I just think um, they're very much struggling from, I think, actually, millennials and Gen X is handling way better than boomers from what I've seen. Boomers are in denial. They're just like, this ain't going to affect us. We're good. No, no. It is affecting everybody, including you guys. So please sit down. <laughs> to say that, I was on a call um, where a congressman was speaking. And at the very end of that conference call, someone asked him, they said, well, Congressman X, Y, and Z, you know, when are we going to get back to work? And he said, when this calms down, when we, we have conquered Corona. And it was almost as if he was shocked that someone would ask that as if, okay, maybe you're not in on the same earth that I'm on right now, but there's a pandemic that's going on. Um, things may not ever be the same again. Uh, we are blessed to have technology so that we can advance and continue to move as a as a um, as a people and as as a world as a society. But in terms of people thinking it's a quick fix, you know, there's nothing that says that it is, and we really need to be um, flexible at this time and and be realistic. You know, if if they cure it or find a cure within the next 24 hours, great. However, if that does not happen, you know, we have to plan, we have to prepare, and we have to move forward with the current time that we are in. Yeah, and just a little soapbox, we got ourselves here. We, we've been on a fast pace as a society with social media, technology, everything quick, Yesterday, we wanted everything yesterday. We've been on this yesterday track for about a decade now. Everything is quick, quick, quick. Kids, teens don't know anything. They don't know nothing about waiting. This is what waiting. Like, why would we wait now? So that's why we're at this point because everybody feel like it's security and getting back to where we're at. But we're, I mean, smartphones, like we call them the smartphone generation. Like after a certain year, nobody know anything about basic phones anymore. They they get stuff immediately. So honestly. We, we, to them, it's like they can't process while we're waiting. What will we wait for? So, yes, it's, it's safety and in, in getting back to normal. And reality is that they're like, if you just tell me you're back to normal, then I know everything okay. No, everything's not okay. You want that promise that we can't give you. Yeah. 
Right, right. It's good because I think for, for us, at least as believers, uh, women of faith, we have you know, yes. scriptures to go back to. You know, we can yes. read we're told to renew our minds. And we have real life, well, not, they're not alive now, but we have those real examples, especially in the Old Testament, of, of characters and, and people who were believers that went through some hard times and struggles. I mean, I'm yes. great of Psalms because David went through it and David talked about it. But one thing David did in his talking about it was process it and work it out with God. So he didn't sweep anything under the rug like it didn't happen. He dealt with those issues and then he was able to move forward. So I think it's important for us as believers to, you know, uh, not quote unquote, just kind of say, we're just going to, you know, um, sweep this under the rug. We're not going to deal with it. God has it. And it's just like, okay. We really need to dig in the scriptures here because we have the, the rule book and the guidance on how to, to deal with crisis. It's all throughout the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. So you're exactly right. So I have my professional, I have my spiritual and they don't conflict. They don't. They support each other. If anything, they enhance each other. So, yes, you're right. If we go back to the word, the word, word didn't say we were going to have it easy. The word didn't say, you know, we wouldn't have trouble. The world say, I, I mean, the word say he will be with us and he will help us overcome it. So I guess my point is, is that, you know, we have this false hope because we're Christians, we're untouchable or it can't impact us or it won't stop us or hurt us. That's that's not what the word promised. The word didn't promise that. So just un I, I fall back on Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, that's my scripture. That's what, you know, I, I come to give you hope and not and, and help you out during these times, not not to harm you. So just just yes, study your word, read your, your stories. And we can get over this, but he didn't promise it was going to be easy. No, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. That's mm -hmm. absolutely right. So any closing thoughts or anything you want to share? with um our listeners might no i just want to thank you for this opportunity i do believe as a group of minorities we're strong women we're strong women and we've came this far and this is not the time to crack you know we need to be strong for the generations that are watching us and so uh reality is that taking care of ourselves first just like at the airplane put your mask on first and then you can help others out. <laughs> you trying to get somebody else medicine and you ain't right now. Take care of yourself first. Once you stabilize, then you put everybody else's mask on. You take care of everybody else. And just relax. I mean, appreciate this time of slowing down a little bit. Just, I mean, just a little bit. We deserve it. That's the only thing I can think of. I deserve it, please. Chris, any final thoughts before we close? No, that is it. I uh, truly appreciate you coming on. And, you know, you are completely right. Kids are resilient. I think it's us, the other generations going, oh, my God, my baby's going to miss her prom. And, oh, and woe is me. So, you know, and then they're like, okay, well, you know, I'll go to the party next month or something, you know. So I think you're the reality is right. we just want the pictures. Let's take the picture. You'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Malisha. And thank you for joining us tonight, all of our viewers and our listeners. Stay safe. Be well. Remember, kings of women, you are essential, just like every essential worker is out there right now battling COVID-19. You are essential to the kingdom of God. So keep moving. Have a good night. Keep moving. Thank you. Good night. Good night.